1: There's also something about Taye that is at once very wholesome, but also unscrupulously sexual. <laughs> I don't get it.
0: Oh, man. I don't know, dude. Has he, has he had... Did he get a show at some point? Has he been on TV or something? I haven't seen him in a while honestly.
1: yeah i remember he was on private practice that uh oh, spit yeah. off from gray's anatomy like maybe a decade ago or so right this was like maybe going on like 15 years ago and He's then the
0: ShondaVerse. the yeah.
1: ShondaVerse for certain yeah. um surprised he didn't stick with that but i think i saw that he is on a netflix tv show where i believe he plays like a football coach
0: yeah that seems like a good role for him
1: it's absolutely yeah. tate Diggs. <laughs> we love him we want him on the show someday
0: uh, i don't know i just always think about him in equilibrium where it's like a future where everyone is narcotized and like deadened to all emotion and he's like my choice for my character is he has no emotions but he smiles like a maniac all i the forgot time. he was in that he's always smiling at that part where christian bale's lying on the ground crying because uh His love, who is it? Emily Watson has just been executed by the state and he looks up and Tay Diggs standing over him grinning like a maniac and is like, you're under arrest! And like punches the camera straight like fist into the lens and that's how we black out from that scene. It's just, Equilibrium's a wild movie. It really is.
1: (laughs) What was that like, was that 2000? 2001? It was like
0: 2002. Very crucially because... It came out after The Matrix, but before The Matrix sequels, but it had this tiny little release. So it ended up hitting on video. Kind of right around the same time that The Matrix Reloaded was in theaters, okay. so it was this okay. thing where people were simultaneously disgruntled about the Matrix sequels and also like, yeah, but there's this little indie movie that gives right. us some of that that right. Matrix vibe, you know, right. in a dumb package where we don't have to so think about strange. it too hard. Such yeah, a yeah.
1: strange, like in such a strange cast too. We're talking yeah. Christian Bale, Sean Bean, mm-hmm. and Taye yeah. Diggs.
0: Yeah, and um,
1: Emily Watson
0: angus McFadden too as the big bad as the big so brother weird character. so yeah, weird very strange
1: it like the early 2000s you could just throw together anyone in a film and it would just be like all right here we go like
0: <laughs> right
1: i feel like today you have like people who put together a roster and it's like okay all of these actors make sense and then like occasionally a film will come out and it'll be like uh this is a little bit weird i don't know why they cast such and such in this role but yeah back in the early 2000s you could throw anyone in a film and it would just be like okay this is what we are doing you all just buckle in
0: it felt like casting directors were a lot less selective about character actors it was more like there was a character actor basket yes who's free who's mm-hmm. up you know mm-hmm. whose number just came up in the deli line mm-hmm. that's who we're exactly. grabbing. exactly you know? exactly uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It, it, and so it, like okay go ahead no no
1: that's it no yeah, i was yeah. just gonna say one other thing which is that yeah you know how much i appreciate daredevil recently and do you know who's in that movie just take a guess
0: oh are you do you mean kevin smith kevin oh no smith no 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 no,
1: no 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 even better my friend even better <laughs> do you want me to just tell you tell me okay uh we've talked about him at length Right. As bully number one, one Robert Eiler, a.k.a. AJ Soprano. Yes,
0: (laughs) dude. Oh, my God. Yes. Dude, and this is right around the time when he was arrested for mugging someone. And then he shows up in Daredevil at the same time mugging someone on screen. Yes. Yeah. That little (laughs) (laughs) shithead. Oh, my God that's fucking wild because i remember yeah. he had some statement about how he was like well after the sopranos no other acting job could measure up so i just decided to retire and you know mm-hmm. live on my residuals or whatever but he, he he neglects to mention that his filmography actually consists of the sopranos and daredevil <laughs> that is a hot filmography right there man you know Your greatest prestige show of all time was just like a little soup song of like superhero <laughs> garbage right on the side there you know that's great uh, fuck.
1: oh boy yeah it caught yeah. me off guard because i remember seeing yes. the scene where you know matt murdoch is being bullied and i thought this person looks <laughs> vaguely familiar where mm-hmm. have i seen this face before and then i was like oh my god it's aj soprano
0: <laughs> daredevil also i feel like It makes a really weird decision to have almost the exact same structure and a lot of the same sort of tone as the Sam Raimi Spider-Man because that was just sort of like out of the box. This format for a superhero movie really works. And so it feels very Spider-Man at times, but then also... There's this atmosphere of the movie that's literally everyone is like walking on a carpet of broken hypodermic syringes at all times. Mm-hmm. Their gums are bleeding and they're pulling their teeth out and mm-hmm. murdering each other in subway tunnels. And mm-hmm. it's so grody, even yes. though it also has those sepia-toned, like, young hero getting bullied before he realizes his power scenes. Yep. It's so awkward, man. It's, it's so, so strange. awkward.
1: So strange.
0: So, I feel like right now, everyone is just predicting the soon-to-come premature demise of Netflix. That's all I hear is people being Mm -hmm. like, they've lost so many subscribers, they don't make any good shows anymore, like, most of their shows and movies are terrible, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. Everyone's fucking down on Netflix right now, and kind of just waiting around, anticipating news that they file for Chapter 11 or whatever. And... I'm in this place where I'm like, I look at what's happened with the streaming environment around Netflix. Now you have all the movie studios that essentially are propping up their dying theatrical markets with streaming services featuring like all of their popular old properties combined with a TV network usually. Mm -hmm. If Netflix were to go out of business and you had... HBO and Amazon and to a lesser extent fucking Peacock and Paramount Plus and all these mm-hmm. all these places coming in to like fill that void. Right. I, I mean, I just feel like Netflix was really changing production. They were greenlighting things based on like what people actually wanted to watch. They were giving creators a lot more freedom to like make their passion projects and things like that. And they kind of made network tv and a lot of cable tv obsolete in the process and they also mm-hmm. really hurt the theatrical experience which i i more mourn the loss of to an extent it kind of feels like if netflix were to go under and all of these companies like rushed in with their own streaming services it's kind of like well all of the companies that have already fucked up and have already proven that they can't really make relevant stuff anymore are just going to copy that model while continuing to do their old thing, you know? Mm. That's just what sucks to me. It's like, it's not that I think Netflix makes a ton of great stuff or that they're using their money wisely necessarily, but I'm just like, they at least are this independent company that came up with a new distribution method and it was successful. And... Getting rid of them means that it all goes back to these old old companies old money, that have right. been in it forever and right. that, uh, I don't know, are just more set in their ways.
1: What is your question?
0: I guess my question is just, do you think that Netflix really is done for? And oh. do you think that that would be a positive development if, if it went away?
1: Okay, okay. I yeah. see what you're saying. Um, do I think that it would be a positive? No, because I think what I prefer multiple outlets for media. Um I don't like the idea of like monolith culture or eventually or like a monopoly, excuse me, eventually like arising out of this streaming war situation, which it feels like eventually
0: that is what will happen and I do not like that idea. And that's kind of what's happening right now even is like all these companies are pulling their properties back and being like yeah you want to watch the office well you Mm -hmm. gotta subscribe to our busted ass nbc exactly peacock
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah we're all gonna gate our most popular shows and movies behind paywalls of subscriptions where it's Mm -hmm. like you you have to invest in all these different companies to get the shit that you want. Yeah. I yeah.
1: agree. Yeah, I would say it probably is not for the better. Yeah. Like I mean you're not going to get a movie like what was it? Um RRR. Yeah, R. Like you're not RRR, thank you. Yes. Um like you're not going to get that film like released to like larger audiences here like, stateside. Yeah. Without something like Netflix. Oh, what a and good so, movie. And so, yeah, I mean, what yeah, a it's a fantastic movie. movie. Like what a crazy film. <laughs> that was one I, of those
0: movies where I'm just like, man, Hollywood is just not trying hard enough. Not you at know? all. Not you at look all. At the that movie effort. takes so
1: many swings in that film. Uh, I mean, yes. and, and so like, yeah. So I agree that I don't think it's a good idea. And I think, yeah, it would just leave like a power vacuum for all of these other streaming services to just do what they're already doing to begin with. I will say this, which is that Netflix just isn't using their money particularly wisely, in my opinion. I saw The right. Gray Man like mm. last week. Oh yeah, It's their most expensive film. And, like, dude, I could not tell where they put the money in this budget.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I feel that way about a lot of those, honestly. Yeah. And you look at it, and they're, like, spending, you know, six, seven billion dollars every year. And they make mm-hmm. so many shows that it feels like come out and just slip under the radar instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, could you pick one of those five shows and, like, really mm-hmm. put your time into mm-hmm. it?
1: A lot of the shows, like you said, they are they come and they go... Like, their big stuff, like, what was their their biggest, their most, like, lauded film, I think, to date has been, what, Roma?
0: Yeah, or maybe Marriage Story or The Iron. Marriage Men. Story, that's right. The uh, Yeah. they put Marriage out Story, probably.
1: Stuff. Yeah, I think it's debatable as to whether or not they're, pro- like, the, the content that they're putting out is uh, worthwhile.
0: Oh, I mean, they've put out a bunch of good stuff. Like, The Queen's Gambit was amazing. And that was something uh, where it was, yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, right that was a show where it's like this really feels like a different thing. This feels most like a mini series. It's mm-hmm. not a movie and it's not a TV show. And it couldn't really be done in any other format, it felt like. And I don't know, that was something I remember John Landgraf talking about streaming um the the head of FX and how he was saying the thing about streaming is Because they don't have the pressure to maintain advertisers and week-to-week ratings, there isn't discipline in terms of the storytelling on an episode-by-episode basis and things like that. And, you know, you look at the shows that he's been producing, especially lately. FX has been on fire this year. Yeah, yeah. Everything seems so considered and so high quality and... It just it strikes me as a very different sort of model that they're sure. operating under. Sure. Um you know, I mean the flip side is with Netflix, it really was forging a brand new path in terms of streaming production. Mm-hmm. A show could have an episode that's two hours long or like yeah. thirty minutes long. It didn't matter. Yeah. The format was totally different. It it was serialized and sequential, but it wasn't really A show or a movie. It was just sort of like a brand new format. Yeah. That was something that I think would have continued to develop over time. And I'm worried that instead we're going to have it shift over to all these companies where it's like, well, we're producing something that's ostensibly going to air on one of our TV networks and then get ported over to a streamer. So it's going to be sort of produced in this more old fashioned way. For a broader audience, it's going to be more dumbed down. It's not going yeah. to be as niche or as creative. And that's uh, just, that's a bummer, man.
1: The thing that always gets me, though, is that Netflix is already following the model that network television followed, which is they have recognized that there is a need or it's easier to produce just reality television.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, sure.
1: So, yeah. I don't know. I mean,
0: that's a thing, too, how, like, fucking Discovery just bought HBO. Yep. you know which yep. i knew AT&T wasn't going to hold on to them that was the stupidest fucking thing this telecommunications giant buying a movie studio and a cable network is just a lost leader for them mm-hmm. you know they're making so much fucking money on like data charges they don't mm-hmm. need that shit they don't need to have <laughs> this very expensive creative industry that they have to constantly babysit and constantly manage the fine details of. They weren't in that fucking game, man. So, of course, they fucking dump it. And now Discovery picks it up. And again, it's like this reality TV giant that now owns HBO and is firing most of their executives. And it just... uh, I just worry about it because, you know, HBO still produces most of the best shit. I know. And HBO Max is such a great streaming network. And yet I'm just worried that all of the creatives at HBO are kind of going to be the first to go, you know?
1: You know what you ought to do. Change.org. Start a petition.
0: (laughs) I know. I sound like such a fucking grump right now. Start a petition, my guy. I mean, dude, there's so much good shit coming out right now. That's not it. We we live in a golden age of TV and movies. We really TV. I I don't want to hear any different. I mean, we just watch one of the best fucking shows i seen. know
1: i know we can't even talk about it we can't, we can't talk can't about it right even now begin you know to what's gonna happen we can't even talk we about can't. it no we're not no, gonna stop no, all right let's no, just no. stop no nope. let's stop right now
0: i mean it's a go no,
1: no 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 <laughs> okay no.
0: okay all right all right all right no let's we should really we should get to the subject oh it? yeah that my thing bad, my bad yeah yeah yeah
1: the thing we got on <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should all right
0: that appointment that we made yes <laughs> two months ago all right yeah Look. We doing this? Yeah, let's do it, man.
1: Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. We have missed you. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, the greatest episodes, um, and their creative teams, both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my co-host, coming in at six foot four, three hundred and seventy nine <laughs> pounds, Mister Alex Anesi.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> Fucking wide boy up in there here. There we go. Fucking there refrigerator Bill. it up. Yeah, it dude. up in here. Just an OG chungus up in here, man. There you
1: go. The bus has got nothing on you, son. <laughs> Love it. Dude, how you been? How you been?
0: I've been all right, man. It's good to see you. It really Yeah, is. man. It's always good to yeah. talk to you.
1: So we've got another four episodes of Cowboy Bebop to talk about uh, this time around. I think we've talked about how each batch has felt like... They're thematically tied together, whether it's about um, things like loneliness or things about like letting go of the past. And I really cannot tell you what this group of episodes is all about. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: It's four really random ones. I agree. I mean, we'll get into it. But like, I think this is the weakest batch. I would agree. Which is an arbitrary distinction because... uh, there's nothing in particular grouping these episodes together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still, there are a couple episodes in here that I really like. It's just this also, I guess this batch is the worst one by default because it yes. contains the only bad episode of the show. Yes. Because I really feel there's only one bad episode of this show, Okay. And we're going to okay. talk about it today. I mean, it's super obvious, you know, mm-hmm. that one. Um, but I agree. The other three are kind of all over the place. Yeah, They don't really seem in conversation with each other. The show had done so much experimentation up to this point, and it was kind of reaching the outer limits of how much they could experiment Mm -hmm. with the tone, you know? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that when we talk about them individually, but I feel like the characters are starting to get to the natural ends of their evolutions, and Mm -hmm. it's like... What else can we do? What else, what other crazy things can we do? And to its credit, the show wraps up very soon after Exactly. And never, like, really did anything else except mm-hmm. for the movie, mm-hmm. which I love. I fucking love that there isn't some revival season of Cowboy Bebop that's not as good. Mm-hmm. And I, Watanabe's kind of always said that. I always felt like it was more in the spirit of the show to quit while you're ahead. You yeah. Know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that what you said there makes a lot of sense it does feel as though all of the themes with all of the characters like their respective journeys do kind of come to a close and it almost felt like they reached this tipping point where it was like this could start to become a satire a parody of itself and then they Mm -hmm. were just like no 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 no, let's just go ahead and like finish this and do it as best as we possibly can and it they they pull it off miraculously and yeah it's fantastic
0: yeah i think there's one episode in particular here that kind of like it's that tipping point. And it's an mm. episode that I like, but it's... Yeah. Anyway, we'll get yeah. into it. But yeah, let's mm-hmm. just start talking about the episodes for sure.
1: All right. So it starts off with Wild Horses. And that's an interesting... I I like this episode, actually. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, me too. Feels like it comes off of the high from like the previous episodes that we talked about.
0: Yeah. To me, this episode is a great example of the strength of the show in that it's like a really just standard episode of bebop nothing that crazy happens in it there's not that much about it that really stands out it's Mm -hmm. not especially experimental it's kind of just procedural and it's still pretty fucking good it's still really entertaining it's got some great characters it's got amazing animation and so it's like man if this is mediocre for them if this is sort of their cruising altitude it's evidence of how fucking strong the show is overall
1: right right yeah. Yeah, yeah so i mean it's a pretty simple like you said standard bebop episode where you've got spike who has to like crash land on earth um and have his ship repaired um and he has that done by his former mentor whose name is duhan And I mean duhan has an apprentice whose name is miles miles is super earnest And while Spike is getting his ship repaired, Jet and Faye go after a group of space pirates who have been, like, hijacking cargo ships. But unfortunately, like, the Bebop gets disabled. Uh, No, 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 it's the Redtail and the Hammerhead that get disabled by these criminals. And so Spike rejoins the Bebop crew intending to catch the pirates and they have like a, you know, dogfight chase sequence and that ends up with Duhan and Miles coming into the rescue. But again, like the bounty slips away. But it's a a good episode and I think it it puts Spike's softer side. It brings that to the forefront. And I like that um, because I think it's something that you don't see very often um, throughout the course of the show.
0: I like how... Sort of casually, he accepts that he might die at the climax of this episode when he's telling Jet about the uh, the bottle of uh, is it scotch or uh, I think it's whiskey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's like hidden behind the fridge. He just lights up a cigarette and says his iconic line, "Whatever happens, happens." That he yep. says several times throughout the show, but it's this example of where he ki- it kind of feels maybe if there's any through line through some of these episodes, through this one and the next, there's a sense of him being a little more accepting of the idea that maybe his luck is finally running out, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: And uh, that that feels like a bit of progression for him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, this episode, I enjoy it. I like the details of the spaceships, and I like the sort of, the little bits of backstory you get, like how Duhan has this photograph of him as a younger man with the swordfish with a number painted on the side. And you realize, oh, it was his race car. And when he retired from racing, he gave it to Spike just to use. And so that's why he has this hot rod just for Mm -hmm. transportation as a bounty hunter. And it kind of all Mm -hmm. fits together there. Um, I don't know. But, like, the beginning of this episode is so chill. And it has this atmosphere where it's out in the desert and it's just Spike Mm kind of hanging out with these guys. And I kind of wish they had maybe like not even done the hacker subplot and just made this episode kind of more slow and meditative and chilled out. Mm -hmm. I feel like we could have used that a little more at this point because that that subplot feels just tossed in there like the hackers fucking die basically (laughs) off screen. and I know. They just crash and like nobody <laughs> even really notices.
1: I re-watched it and I was like, wait, they died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> completely forgot. Oh mm-hmm. uh, man.
0: Yeah, this show just does not care. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, which I like. Yeah, you know, like I, I would agree with you. It, it doesn't it does not need that subplot at mm-hmm. all.
0: Yeah. It is it is weird that uh the space shuttle they take out at the end is the Columbia because yes. it blew up. Mm-hmm. four years later, basically, yeah, um not that they yeah. could have possibly anticipated that, but it is just yeah. weird to see that particular space shuttle figure in the climax, so yeah, heavily
1: man, this show had the weirdest timing, yeah, right, right, between nine eleven and mm-hmm. yeah this uh the spaceship disaster, yeah, um, that is wild. I had not thought about that it's very strange, yeah, hmm wow, for an episode that's towards the end of a series. They were like, guess, like when you should be like wrapping things up, um, when you should be considering like how to like tie up like loose ends. I thought that they did a very, very good job adding in two characters who I thought were very intriguing. Um, and that being, uh, Miles is it Miles yeah, and
0: Duhan? Yeah, they're both great. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're both great. Like, I love the fact that Duhan is this cranky old man who, like, really cannot be bothered. He's sort of like, oh, boy, like, uh, he's kind of like part Yoda, kind of like Last Jedi Luke Skywalker, just kind of like, I don't want to deal with any of this. Go away. He also
0: weirdly looks like Republican James Woods. (laughs) He does. (laughs) Like, with a
1: bit of, like, uh, Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. A bit of that, too. Yeah, that's probably what they uh were
0: going for. It's just weird, like, looking at him, and I'm like, he really looks like only on Twitter, James Woods. Like my career yep, exactly. as a movie star is over, and I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just spraying on toxic red pilled shit on Twitter, James Woods. <laughs> Which is it's a very weird mood, but at the same time, I could totally see James Woods coming back and crushing this role in live action oh, yeah. in a movie, oh, yeah. being this cranky bastard who's like Absolutely. really really good at one thing,
1: uh-huh. man. And John Boyega as Miles. Oh
0: yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like Boyega like so much, man.
0: Yeah. He may have know, really fucked himself, though. I told you about that <sighs> thing where he just like walked off the set of that movie, right? Oh, there's a new uh, Jeremy Sane movie. He just—you did tell me about quit, that. But he didn't even say I quit. He just like left, and so basically everyone was like, "Yeah, well, I guess we have to stop now." Yeah. Man. Crazy Rebel Ridge, just like pieced out. Wow, I know Oof. it sucks, man. Because I ah, God, like I know he's great, he's so awesome, but uh, I know that's bad, man. I mean, that's yeah, like man. you know, so many people losing their jobs over that shit.
1: Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I feel bad yeah. for
0: Sanya too, because you know
1: he's done nothing but put out good stuff.
0: Yeah, and his season of True Detective was such a yeah. debacle that I was just like, you uh, mess. Mess. would want something to go right for the guy after that. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Oof. Exactly.
0: But yeah, Miles is a great character too. I like all... I
1: like Miles. There's a good moment that Miles has, and I can't even um, paraphrase what it is that he says, but it's something to the effect of like, "Eh, you know, I'm not even going to try, but he has this very earnest quote about uh, falling in love with a woman and just like having her break his heart or something like that. And he's just oversharing with Spike so much. Right, right. And Spike is just not caring about any of it. And I do love that moment.
0: (laughs) It's a funny... Um, example of the super earnest young character who mm-hmm. comes into Spike's orbit. And this time he's just like, I'm not going to engage. I'm not yeah, going exactly. the slightest shit because this always mm-hmm. goes bad. You know? Uh, yeah. It always goes poorly.
1: Yeah. Yep. Man, oh man. All right. So, yeah, that following episode, which is uh, Parola Foo, odd episode. Odd episode. <laughs> I think it's one of the huh? weird. I.
0: Uh, <sighs> I would I'm say not. this is one I, of my I favorites. I don't hate it,
1: really. Are you serious? Okay, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I don't really love it.
0: It's too yeah. extreme for you in terms of like kind of where it's going with the visuals and the ideas of it. Would you say?
1: Yeah, and I, I, it's one of those episodes that if you take it out, I don't think anything is missing. From the entire show.
0: Oh, that's fair. I mean, you could say that about a lot of these episodes. In sure. That they're all so compartmentalized and standalone. To me, this episode just has some of the best animation in the whole show. The animation in this episode's incredible. Fair. The choreography all through it, too, is so fluid and intricate and there's so much going on in every single shot and for me I kind of like it almost almost like one of those sort of like Chuck Jones Looney Tunes shorts (laughs) that had no dialogue that was just all visual gags. This episode has so little dialogue and it's just almost pure action and Mm -hmm. suspense and also horror moments and it tells this pretty complicated story just through the visuals. And yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool that they could just that they could pull that off, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. that's
1: fair. I mean, I would say this, which is that you any good Cowboy Bebop episode has yeah. something to say about one of the like four main characters and I feel like this one does not.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah? That's just me. I mean, that's my take on it.
0: There's there's a little a little stuff around the edges. I think something really important happens with Faye in this episode, which is where we realize that uh, she, her emotional attachment to Spike in particular, right. has come a long way. Right. Because. Right. In previous episodes, she's made it pretty clear that she did not give a shit that he was going off to die or that he was risking his life to save her or anything in between. She was very laissez-faire about that. And in this episode, she actually wants to withhold information from him so that he doesn't put himself in danger. She knows him well enough that she's like, I don't want this to happen because I don't want him to get himself hurt again. Right. and he he teases her about it. Oh, you really think I'm going off to die this time, huh? You know? And it bothers her. She's shaken up in a way that yeah. she hadn't been previously. And I think it continues that theme, too, of like Spike being kind of, you know, even more than usual. Casual yeah, you know, this might be the day that I die. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah.
1: This is echoed, I believe, in the series finale. Yeah. That's right, yeah. 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 And
0: I feel like his confrontation with Faye there especially is set up a little bit in the, yeah. in the little moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I, otherwise I see what you mean, but I don't know. I mean, I I think Piro LeFou, Tong is such a cool design. He's so bizarre. He's such a character that could only really work in animation. And I feel like the whole backstory sequence with him in that bright, stark, yeah. white lab Mm -hmm. is just so creepy and cool i love the way the music interacts with it yeah i don't know yeah all right all right i just like this episode on pure style basically
1: no i mean it's an interesting episode i mean we've got spike who is playing pool on like what mars yeah and he yeah he happens to witness a uh a a spree killing, and then almost gets killed himself by Parellafu, who is a smiling assassin, I and mean, he appears to be basically like invincible. And so Jet finds out that the brass at ISSP are being like knocked off one by one by Lafu, um, who has escaped an experimental lab. Then Spike is basically uh, decides that he is going to go out and uh, engage in a duel to the death with Mad Perot, um in an abandoned madhouse theme park. Um, And basically one of the creepiest settings that we've seen on the show yet. I mean, it's great. That part is cool. I do like the set design, like just the design of this like funhouse, creepy amusement park that's been abandoned on like a strange planet at night.
0: I love that it's their chance also to just kind of like shit on Disney real quick, you know, (laughs) to like take all of that imagery of Disneyland and just make it as nightmarish as possible. Oh, it works. Yeah, that that stuff's fun. But I was just going to say, the name of this episode is a reference to a Jean-Luc Godard film. Mm -hmm. One of his later 60s movies about this guy who abandons his sort of suburban life to run off uh, with Anna Karenna and just start a crime spree. It has nothing to do with this episode (laughs) at all. They
1: just took the name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they just took the name, but great. I think it's interesting just in that it's, I think, Watanabe tipping his hat to the fact that the French New Wave is very much part of the stylistic heritage of this show, sort of that disaffected alienated atmosphere of characters just sort of like stewing in their longing and smoking cigarettes and being all like miserable and beautiful. It's it's very French New Wave. Oh, yes. You definitely see like stylistic heritage to Spike Spiegel in Elaine Delon, you know, mm-hmm. or someone like that. But it is funny that it's like, yeah, but this episode doesn't really have anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> that movie in particular. It's just a name drop. Mm-hmm. But um, how do you feel about Godard in general? You a fan? Nah, Nah, me neither, man. I mean, Breathless. Everyone's like, oh, it's such a revolutionary movie and it's so important. But it's like the jump cutting in it is bad. It's like not good. It's not good editing. Mm -hmm. It's just the first movie to ever do it i get the historical importance of it but i'm just i don't know Uh, yeah yeah and even from there i mean he just he kept experimenting with form until he basically wasn't even like really making movies anymore he was just sort of like making these pranks making home videos with studios money Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i'm like dude just fuck off man (laughs) (laughs) honestly (laughs) <laughs> Just tired of it. Oh, He's such a boy. troll, no. honestly. And there are other French New Wave movies that are fucking great. I love Jules and Jim. I love uh have you ever seen Clio from Five to Seven, dude? No, I've not.
1: I've heard the title though, dude, but that I've never movie's
0: seen it. Incredible. It's so fucking good. It's about this beautiful young woman who's like a pop star who is waiting to hear if she has terminal cancer basically mm-hmm. she's just waiting to get a test back and that's the whole movie and it's like wow. going about her day and her fairly like glamorous there, there are just so many like surface pleasures to her life and yet the whole time she's falling apart because of this but it's very sympathetic to her too it's not yeah. just about like oh we're punishing this you know girl that's who rich like, beautiful never thought about yes. life mm-hmm. that seriously no like you get a much more of a sense of like the depth of feeling that she's always had and how that's just brought to the surface by this terrible thing that might happen. Yeah. It fucking rules, dude. It's right. such a good movie. All right. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I feel like it gets talked about way less than Godard's shit. That always kind of irks me. Yeah. Anyway.
1: You have feelings about this. You have feelings <laughs> about this. Do you know what I have feelings about? <laughs> what's that boogie woogie fang oh boy the best episode and by the best i do mean the worst episode of cowboy bebop
0: the only bad one it is truly the only one where i'm like this episode was a mistake yep (laughs) and it's especially a mistake because of what it does to i know man i know yeah oh anyway I'll let you get into it. All right, here we go. I'll let you take this one.
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. I get to talk about how, like, I don't like this episode. Here we go. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's just basically an inexplicable detour in which Jet receives a mysterious message that leads him to the grave of an old CI who was, like, obsessed with Feng Shui. And then Jet meets the recently deceased CI's daughter, whose name is Mayfa, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so the two rope the Bebop crew into finding... Jet ci because she believes that he is missing but essentially the man is trapped in like the hyperspace realm or gate um and he's holding out for like one last opportunity to speak with his daughter there's like people that are after them this entire time i guess this man's like he just ran afoul of some people who were part of a a criminal syndicate and is it the red is it the it's the blue. Is it the blue? The blue dragon. Yeah yeah, 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 Snakes or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. Who we've never really they look like seen the Blues before. Brothers. They do, and they're totally they are incompetent. So incompetent, and there's <laughs> just nothing like threatening joke about them, them at all. Syndicate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and do it. Like they make Jet look like a total perv because this they young do. woman is like maybe she seems like she's 14, 15, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, um, and he is like crushing on this girl, and it's weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The show is very much redefining their relationship as, oh, is this more of a older brother or a fatherly yeah, relationship? Yeah. And he's like, no, actually, it would be more like we were boyfriend and girlfriend. But he puts a fine point on it that he's like, <laughs> kind of got a crush on this it's girl who, so I mean, I think 16 is the upper end of it. Honestly, yes. she's a young teenager. Very and young woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super creepy and it's especially problematic i think and i mean problematic as a choice for the show not problematic in the modern sense although it is that Mm -hmm. too that this happens because it makes you look back at the episode ganymede elegy where he had this relationship with this woman who is much younger than him in the present and who has a new boyfriend who is also much younger than Jet. And it's Mm -hmm. her seemingly finally in a more age-appropriate relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you Mm -hmm. think, wait, but she left Jet a while ago. How young was she then when they were in their original relationship and she complained about how he just wanted to control her and treat her her like a daughter and all this stuff. All of this stuff... It was fine in that episode because it felt like, oh, it's the sort of complicated Mm -hmm. adult problem that they're working Mm -hmm. through. And now you're like, wait a minute, was it an adult problem? Are we actually Mm -hmm. talking about two adults here? Or,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. or not? Because I I don't like it. This episode
0: establishes this MO for him and it's super weird. And then the other thing is so here's the craziest part, man. Kill it. Just kill it. Mm -mm. This episode is the only one that. Shinichiro Watanabe wrote on.
1: Yes, yes. Isn't
0: that fucking crazy? It is so weird. I don't
1: know what he was thinking when he chose to do this.
0: It just immediately makes me think, man, here is somebody who is a brilliant director who shouldn't write his own stuff. Should not write.
1: Yeah, shouldn't write it. And it's not as though, like, the the dialogue's not poor, the pacing's not necessarily poor. It's just like, this is not a great story. No, it's not a great story. Like, you've just undone your character.
0: Yeah, And every other element of it, too, the Blues Brothers assassins, the sort of silly chase that they have, the way that it totally botches the father-daughter reunion at the end. Mm -hmm. She felt like he had already abandoned her. She didn't really even have a relationship with him. And he shows up just to say, oh, hey, my oxygen ran out and I'm dying. So (laughs) bye. And it's like, great. (laughs) So you stuck around for that. You stuck around so your daughter could watch you die on a <laughs> monitor, <you> <laughs> good God, <laughs> nicely done it's supposed uh, to be one of those sad bebop endings where it's like, oh, you wistfully see the bounty slip away mm-hmm. from life right when you start to get to know them, and it accomplishes none of that
1: nothing yeah it
0: does not land that those themes yeah. at all, and you feel like this no. girl would have been all the better off if she had just assumed that her father had died at the beginning of the dead. episode and yeah. had nothing else happened to her. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she got the benefit of hanging out with a weird old dude and then watched her dad die.
0: It's just so funny how Watanabe in like creating the concept, the very concept and the very scenes and events within the episode cannot actually nail down what works so well in most of the other episodes of his show. <laughs> no no it's <laughs> no, crazy no. yeah
1: no just just kill all of this and burn it i
0: mean it it makes me appreciate all the more like keiko Nubamoto's work on the show because yeah. i think that he does such an incredible job directing her scripts but that by and large her writing is so strong and she's able to introduce a character and within the space of a 20 minute episode get you emotionally invested in them and then when they die at the end of the episode It feels like you've been on a real journey with them, and you also feel the impact of it on the characters around them, too. And this is that episode where none of that happens.
1: None of that happens. (laughs) None of that happens. Yeah. Anyway, so we can move
0: on. It's like every— Do you want to dunk on this episode a little bit more, bro? It's just one of those things where it's—I know, right? Uh, that's the fucking thing, man. Oh, uh, no. Here yeah. we go. I just waxing no, no, poetic. No, no I, I'm not. Oh, I'm not. Boy. I'm Here just comes saying. a
1: Crispin
0: Day speech. Here we go. <laughs> Cut all that shit out. I'm not. I'm not going there. All I was going to say is, to your point, people yes. can get so addicted to negativity when it comes to sure. any sort of pop culture they're invested in sure, i feel like sure. there's a yeah, we're entire not about that, though. podcast industry built on that and yeah we're not oh, of about course that
1: yeah we're not about that here on goat season take no, that someplace no. else take that to another yeah. sandbox all right for me it's
0: more that. like uh this show hit basically 25 out of 26 times at that and that's pretty good i agree yeah
1: Um. All right, here we go. <laughs> next episode. And it, it, it bounces back, right? Yeah. This is a, a decent bounce back, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next episode, which is Cowboy Fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the funnier episodes. Yeah. It's funny. It is. It's very, very funny. It takes the whole concept of them being like badass, awesome uh, bounty hunters yeah. and just takes it and turns it on its head. Right. Um, and makes everyone look ridiculously silly, even the bounty himself. <laughs> Yeah, I think the bounty is... (laughs) I think he's the funniest part, to be honest with (laughs) you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got like a for real, like, Tom Hardy as (laughs) Bane-esque goal. He has a serious socioeconomic goal here with his uh, saboteur and uh, just uh, terrorist doings, Um, but it is just surprising to see that they even take this guy and turn him into, like, uh, some type of parody.
0: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, he's got this very, like, considered anti-capitalist philosophy philosophy (laughs) that he wants to expound, (laughs) and he is completely invalidating it and drowning it out by his decision to blow up buildings. Buildings? (laughs) And it's, it's... I mean, at the time, of course, this episode didn't air because of 9-11 and, you know, I right. mean, it makes a lot of sense. But it's also this episode was very much parodying the entire concept of terrorism. You are undoing your own philosophical mm-hmm. goals mm-hmm. by your actions here. And it yeah. just makes him look yeah. ridiculous in the process. Literally, no one pays attention to him. No one pays attention yeah. to him. yeah.
1: Exactly. No, so the, the episode, it starts with the Bebop crew investigating a series of bombings perpetrated uh, by a man whose name is Teddy. Spike nearly nabs the culprit, but he's thwarted by a rival bounty hunter um, who is a cowboy who goes by the name of Andy. Um, and so the saboteur escapes. Spike and Andy hate each other. <laughs> um, he's irritated by Andy's comportment. And in some ways, it sort of like mirrors his own in like an odd way. Yeah. And so the entire crew, they unite to find Teddy. Um, However, Spike is especially angered when Andy once again resurfaces. And (laughs) the suddenly neglected Teddy, he becomes exasperated. And again, this is to your point he becomes so upset when Spike and Andy basically can apprehend him and instead choose to square off against each other it's like they all get together to like have a threesome and instead like Spike and Andy just cordon themselves off and just like have sex with one another
0: right right exactly and it's
1: yeah and just they just leave him alone and they leave him out of this
0: there's a part where the teddy bobber tries to like butt back in while they're like having their <laughs> argument and Andy's just like what are you talking about <laughs> who are you <laughs> who are you Yes, so he's funny. so upset.
1: <laughs> they do not care about who this man is at all. Um. So yeah, the episode ends with Spike besting Andy. Yeah. Um. And Teddy is left to spew his anti-capitalist rhetoric, rhetoric to the uh, the actual law enforcement, the apprehenders. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oof! What an episode.
0: It's the episode where when you were talking about how this show was sort of getting onto the very edge of tipping into self-parody. I think this Mm -hmm. is the episode where that really is, it comes the closest because it makes Mm -hmm. Spike look really ridiculous. (laughs) And it works for this episode. And I agree, it's one of the funniest episodes of the show. But it is also an episode where it's like, they probably don't want to do too many more of these.
1: Yeah, Because
0: Mm -hmm. it would start to break The reality of it and the characters of it if you pushed it too much farther
1: do you think that they purposefully were like okay we are coming towards the end of this let's just do an episode where we sort of like put a little hitch a little fracture a little seam in an episode where we get to like toe the line maybe just like dip our toes in the pool of self-parody and then pop back out afterwards.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, all the experimentation does feel really deliberate. But it also always feels like Watanabe just following his muse, too. Where he's like, I want to make this guy a real cowboy. So I can really parody those aesthetics, you know. And have him show up with a jaw harp playing. And he's got his horse <laughs> triggered. His horse <laughs> just has the most blank, idiotic horse expression at all times. And it's just Ugh. so funny as his sort of co-star. Hit.
1: Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, what is uh, your uh you have like some pretty strong foundational beliefs about horses. Can you expound upon that, please?
0: Yeah, they're the fucking worst, dude. <laughs> they're big, dangerous idiots is what they there you are. go.
1: That's what I was waiting for you to say.
0: <laughs> they're BDIs. Absolutely. <laughs> not a fan of law enforcement to begin with and you see a cop on a horse you've Mm -hmm. put this trigger happy moron on top of this one ton animal that (laughs) just seems to have no idea of what the world around it is, you know? That could just, like, right. kick you in the face by reflex, but it seems to have no general concept of its surrounding environment, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, and, agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, they just look fucking stupid, too, man. Yeah, just they just do not know them. what's.
1: <laughs> you really do not like horses, and I love to, <laughs> like, take advantage of that fact at any possible moment.
0: I'm such a fan of mammals in general. I find, like, there's so many wonderful animals out there that are so relatable that are so cool and affectionate and hilarious and i mean for example like goats it's so funny how goats are just just a shade away from horses and yet they have so much more personality how you can just tell that they are like having fun and emotionally reacting to their environment even though they have these horrible rectangular eyeballs (laughs) that are (laughs) disturbing to look at They have these, like, bizarre soulless cube pupils that are just so freakish. And yet, you look at them and you're like, oh, but they're kind of cute. And it's kind of cute that their eyes don't really focus in the same direction at once. And Mm -hmm. there's just something goofy about them. Whereas a horse, I just look at them and I just see this, like, pair of dead eyes. They're just, yeah, they're the worst, man.
1: Uh, No, say more, fam. Say more, fam. No, no, I'm good. I mean, I I think
0: all horses should be killed, but it's fine. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) make them extinct (laughs) no no i'm kidding it's not that it's not that serious it's not that you sure man i'm sure some can survive there can be some horses out there somewhere i just don't want to be anywhere near them oh really okay you just want
1: to like okay you just want them segregated from the rest (laughs) of the population is what i'm hearing (laughs) thank you right. for using the most
0: like charged possible language dude I it's appreciate. 2022
1: we just gotta we gotta face i just we have to face just
0: keep the horses away from me man that's all i'm saying man you know okay okay all right <laughs> let them take their giant dumps and paralyze people in some like peaceful environment very far away from me that's all i want all right yeah, okay
1: yeah, yeah. i respect that mm-hmm. i respect that overall Yeah. Uh, These, like, what stood out to you? Like, yeah, what'd you clock?
0: There's definitely, like, a lack of a through line to these episodes. And it does feel Mm -hmm. like each one of them is an experiment that kind of pushes to the very edges of what the show can do, but maybe not in the most positive way. Sure. It more feels like a rubber band that's straining almost to the point of snapping. Maybe Wild Horses is the one that is the least experimental, but even that, this is such a standard episode that's just sort of dealing with rote technical details that it feels less vital than some others maybe but like especially with parole lefou and cowboy funk and then i mean boogie woogie it's just a failed experiment on every level but like all three of those episodes are trying something and it's like getting to sort of the outer edges of what the show could accommodate i guess and that's so interesting yeah so i don't know so in that way maybe it feels like the show was sort of naturally nearing the end of its cycle and I mean yeah it, this is such a crazy show where it's like every single episode is an experiment every single episode is kind mm-hmm. of standalone and every single episode mm-hmm. is like well we're gonna just pour all of our creative energy into this completely wild new concept and it's going to be supported by these characters the whole way through I think you can only do that so many times in a row before the strain right. starts to right. show And to Mm -hmm. this show's credit, I think it only really has this one bad episode here.
1: Do you think that the strain becomes apparent because of the fact that it's a string of them? Like, do you think if they had changed the release order... Maybe moved Boogie Woogie uh, Feng Shui, like maybe up a few episodes, or just like maybe kept cut it. If you just cut got, cut I mean, obviously out, cut it, right? You if you cut it strain? out, obviously.
0: I don't know. Maybe you don't.
1: I think the answer possibly is no, but I think possibly if you had moved that episode like further up in the rotation, right? I think there's a possibility you may not feel like, okay, this might need to like come to an end. I don't know.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, the the flip side, too, is getting just one episode outside of these uh, artificial bumpers that we've put on the show, you get to Brain Scratch, which is a super experimental episode and Mm -hmm. one of the best. I mean, it's an absolutely amazing episode, and it's so different from anything else the show ever did. This show was taking such huge creative risks on an almost every single episode basis. Sure. So that there would be somewhere it's like, you know, starting to color a little outside the lines. And I mean, mm-hmm. for me, cowboy funk is super fun. And I really love Piero LeFou. So yeah. I look at these and I'm like, I think overall they were still performing at a really high level. Like their batting average was still really high. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Feng Shui for me does not substantially mar the reputation of this show like i would no. yeah not at all it's, it's so just easy one that to i'm ignore, like, Yeah, honestly. yeah so exactly like you honestly can skip it yeah you can skip it and just be like yeah there was nothing
0: missing Right i do think it's funny with um with Andy how there there's all this stuff that's basically just, you know, showing that he's like a trust fund kid essentially. Oh, that yeah. he mm-hmm. inherited all this yacht. massive wealth. He has this space yacht, which is yacht, shaped yeah. a lot like the Bebop, even though it also yep. looks like a Sunseeker mega yacht. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yep. kind of funny. And um just how he basically was like, well, I was sitting on all this wealth and didn't know what to do with all of my inheritance. <laughs> so I decided to be a bounty hunter because it a seemed like fun. <laughs> and how that obviously drives Spike crazy. And yet at the same time, he and Spike really are very similar in a lot of ways too, because Spike like him is also kind of just this incredibly talented dude who has all of these skills, who has all this going for him, who has this incredible spaceship and basically is just like, well, I'm just sort of biding time until I die. You know, he's not valuing his life at all he's just doing it from the opposite socioeconomic standpoint you know exactly but exactly he, he is likewise kind of taking everything for granted
1: but that's been the character i think since the beginning right yeah. like he has never had much value for his own
0: life right it's just yeah. funny to see this flip side character oh right. this character's like super wealthy and successful and yet similarly doesn't appreciate anything around him and he can't stand that you know
1: that's agreed uh percent agreed oh
0: yeah all right so uh we gotta have a fight real quick before we get to name that all episode right.
1: okay. but yeah what's what do you want to fight about? okay
0: so the fight we have to have is we want to cover every single episode of this show and for a while i was kind of thinking well we could just skip the movie because It's not available anywhere to stream, and Mm -hmm. the Blu-ray is out of print, so literally the only way to buy it is to either buy a bootleg or to buy an official Blu-ray that literally goes for over $100 now. (sighs) Dude, I bought that thing for like five bucks and I sold wow. it. One of the times I sold my movie collection and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? This is Idiot. impossible oh, to wow. find now and costs so much money. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, and it, it wasn't streaming anywhere. It's so weird that Netflix didn't pick up the rights to it when they made their Cowboy right. Bebop show. They only bought the rights to the series. Anyway, mm-hmm. it just posted on Crackle. So it's available to stream for free now interesting so i think we gotta do it (sighs) (laughs) and i know you don't want to like you are he is so mad right now ladies and gentlemen oh my god oh god all right so
1: okay (laughs) this is just about who i am yes i am not always a completionist
0: Mm. Oh. And so
1: that is where this mindset yeah. uh, comes into play here, which is that... This is
0: where we differ, for sure.
1: This is where we differ. Like, I'm not the type of person who needs to have, like, a 100% oh, yeah. on all of my video I'm, games. I'm a real I'm okay with
0: checklist that. person. I love See? to mm. gray out every single tile in a director's no. filmography on Letterboxed. Oh, my God. Oh, That's just... God. It gets me God, going. See, the
1: idea of that is just simply making me like a <laughs> little bit nauseous right now. Like I can feel a wretch coming <laughs> I'm on. I'm just
0: I'm so so cringe for Phil right now. I'm just oh This
1: podcast is over. <laughs> um no. Do we have to uh like okay. I think
0: we should, man. Ah. <sighs> it slots in perfectly right between these because it's supposed to happen right before hard luck women. So we can, like, mm-hmm. slot it in right between sessions five and six. And, I mean, it's pretty fucking good, man. It
1: is good, but, like, <sighs> <laughs> All right. Um, it would
0: be a quick episode, too, honestly, because we'll just, like, we'll roll through the plot. We'll give a little of the backstory, but, like, you know. Okay,
1: here we All right. No, 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 no. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. I want you to argue for why we not do it, and I will argue for why we should.
0: Okay. Uh, Let me go first. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm going to go first. All right. Here we go. These are the reasons. Reason number one, Mm. I, Alex, want to.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) So you're not just arguing for it. You're arguing within my personage. Okay. Yeah.
1: I am like arguing within your personage. Uh I am basically you right now. Right. Okay. So (laughs) Alex wants to do this. Right. And number two, Alex is a completionist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And number three, it is a good auxiliary tale. Yeah. It is more of a good thing mm. that is enjoyable for for viewers and for audiences. Yeah. Do mm, all right, and then I have to stop. I have to stop right there because I almost slipped back into being myself. I'm
0: afraid I could go tell. ahead. He <laughs> was just fighting. Him. It's like he's possessed for a minute. I'm really, what am I saying? What the fuck? What is this shit coming out of my mouth? Oh my god. Well, uh, go just a roll reversal. Uh, I guess what I'll say is that. The very idea of adding another episode onto this podcast which is already incredibly overlong, verbose, annoyingly convoluted, that we are just making like overly complicated for ourselves at every turn, to an extent that just makes my blood boil. And I'm trying to I'm trying to be calm, I'm trying to be a low stress kind of person, you know? I'm I'm trying to just party it up and live my life here and not worry about this nerdy shit. But uh, you know, I gotta Come back and say that uh, this series is complete without the movie and the movie is just a a little extra that was thrown on that's basically just a single standalone episode that's extended out to two hours and uh, you can just you can easily leave it off and uh, not even worry about it. And then just keep going and we won't worry about it. It won't be like mm. a splinter in our minds that we left something unfinished that we easily mm. could have covered right now. It's free streaming <laughs> and uh, we're just going to ignore it. We're just going to throw it in the trash because, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Did I, did, I, did I start to break character there? I think you did. I started to kayfabe a little. Yeah, I think you did. Okay. There was
1: a brief moment where I was like, mm, this is stretching into parody here.
0: He's just making fun of me now. Oh, boy. No, no. Uh, I mean, I, I fundamentally agree with you, and I also fundamentally agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about uh,
1: smart people? It's the ability to hold two opposing opinions at the same time.
0: I like that. That's true.
1: I can't do that. It's only one for me in this <laughs> It's only one like, opinion for me in bad. this.
0: I only see the world in extremes. Only in absolutes. This only since deal in absolutes.
1: Yep. Yep. That is oh, the boy. dumbest line uh, that anyone's no, ever dude, written. Dude, okay, we're not talking about that movie either. <laughs> That's so we can't, stupid. We can't uh, talk about that movie. Okay, here's, Let's just drop it.
0: Here. Here's the thought. Do you want to record the final session? First.
1: and then do the movie
0: and then we'll say do we feel like we need the movie do we feel like we want to do the movie at this point and then we can slot the movie episode in wherever
1: i agree with you okay let's I agree with let's you do on that. that idea
0: let's finish out the series so it's done mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of be yep. like do we want to put the movie in as the bonus all right awesome hey there we go negotiation beautiful there we go love it
1: Oh Thank boy. you for putting um, up with me,
0: dude. Oh, dude,
1: no. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just, you put up with me all the time.
0: This whole podcast is just me finding ways to annoy you, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. no,
1: this is enjoyable as always, man. Yeah,
0: it's just so funny to me how you know we have incredibly similar tastes in so many ways. I would say that we we really understand each other in terms of what the other likes in art in media and just like in creative expression in general and yet sometimes we can be so philosophically opposed i know i know uh, what are you gonna do it's
1: funny when it does happen yeah i think that's the best uh, <laughs> that's the best right there for sure oh my god that's
0: the good stuff yeah that is the good mm-hmm. stuff
1: is it time for Is it time for name that episode
0: let's do it bro all right here we go how many we got today?
1: We only got two. All right. We got all right. two. All right. two's two's two is solid, right? Yeah, yeah. It's solid. Here we go. Yeah, you can't, can't go wrong with this. You know,
0: we're both writers. I'm just used to a three-act structure. That's the only thing. I know, I know. But like this is just I know. We'll
1: see. This is just, just consider that this is the middle and the end with, without a beginning.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Just uh-huh. cut the first act. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, one yeah, needs yeah. the first
1: act. That's nah. stupid. We don't do that around here number one all right here we go so in march 1913 evelyn napier visits downton abbey with turkish diplomat mr kemal pamuk oh he's seduced by mary crawley and then (laughs) dies in her bed mid coitus
0: the thing i love about the implication here is that he was like the right hand man to franz ferdinand and because he died, he wasn't <laughs> so, there to prevent the assassination. Yeah. So World War yes. yeah. <laughs> One so broke out because Michelle Dockery's pussy too good. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> is what that show is saying. <laughs> And I fucking uh, love no. oh boy oh my god you threw me for a loop though with some fucking Downton. oh yeah man. so this is gotcha. season one this is season I wanna one i want to say this is episode three
1: ding 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 okay. because that's the title it's called chapter
0: three or just <laughs> it's episode called episode three, three. fuck you <laughs> fuck right off <laughs> i mean i'm glad i guessed it oh you got it you got it Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is why you spent all that time over there like "Mm, what hints can i come up with for this this brilliant title (laughs) episode three yeah yeah
1: yeah all right okay here we go (laughs) let me make sure i know what okay yeah So, uh, this is a season four episode.
0: I gotta say, too, I mean, like, bro, really, Mm -hmm. this dude, Theo James, you know, who plays Pamuk, (laughs) I mean, this strapping young lad who has an instant, like... Heart attack or like a coronary <laughs> embolism or something. Yep. He busts once and his brain explodes, dude. It's like, it's dangerous how, fucking, out here for a guy. how fucking hard up were people in Victorian times? You know, dude. how friggin' like repressed were people that it's like, dude, <laughs> it's like praying mantis style. I'm a fucking, I might die in the process, but it's gonna be worth it. <laughs> Need to get that nut even if it kills me, man. How fucking serious was this shit, dude? God Apparently, damn.
1: Yeah, it was Ugh. rough times out here in the early 1900s. It
0: was, bro. People it was. People need to get it.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to keep <laughs> all my comments to myself. Um, okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so in this season four episode of The S.H.I.E.L.D., Chief Phillips removes Mm -hmm. the garage sting from under uh, Vic and Monica's purview and hands it over to the organized crime unit in the wake of an emerging scandal involving Mackie. At the same time, uh, Monica threatens two social workers with jail time. And I believe she also has some harsh words uh, for Julian as well.
0: Man, it is funny. Season four is like always the toughest. Season four four always gets you no matter the show.
1: No matter the show, man.
0: Because The Shield is one, too, where it's like season four is probably my least favorite. And it mm. has great stuff in it. But mm-hmm. it's like, I think it's just like obviously the weakest of the whole show. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think part of that is just Glenn Close is a weird fit for that show. I mean, yeah. She's a great actor, and she's great on it. And I can totally see how they were like, yes, let Glenn Close come be on our show. We're so down for that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's also like, yeah, but what do we actually do with her? What do we do with her? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the character, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. it
1: might be the character the way it's Mm -hmm. written.
0: Is this episode called Army of One?
1: Mm, No.
0: Fuck. All right.
1: Season four, yeah, uh, episode seven, uh, episode also seven. directed by Nick Gomez, who I believe we've talked about oh, before. Oh, yeah.
0: He directed mm-hmm. an episode of The Sopranos. He's a good mm-hmm. director, man. Very good
1: director. Yeah. Um, yeah, we like him over here. Yeah. Um, let me see what other hints we've got here. This is also an episode where Vic uses his leverage with the Bizlats uh, to find a Russian mob leader.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So this is when the garage thing is being taken away, mm-hmm. but it's before Shane and Vic have their confrontation, where like Shane was going to kill him, and he basically gets yes. the drop on him, and mm-hmm. then turns him back over onto his side. Mm-hmm. So because that's like, I want to say like nine or ten.
1: Yeah. <sighs> yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. Any hint about like just the the title itself like what it refers to
1: one word four letters
0: one word four letters yep fuck it's not that (laughs) god damn uh i want to say there's an episode just that called like bang
1: Mm, no i mean that one it's not that one fuck so it's after the episode insurgents and before the episode cutthroat, right?
0: But what is the word about? What is the word? Oh, what is the to? word about? I mean, it refers <laughs> yeah, to
1: yeah. um a physical a sensation,
0: like pain.
1: Close. Oh
0: shit! Oh, is it hurt? Yes. Oh, because hurt was the song by Johnny, the Johnny Cash mm-hmm. cover of Hurt, mm-hmm. uh, is what played over the the mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. season trailers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Okay. Sweet. All right. Yeah, man.
1: Huh. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel like vindicated? Do you feel? Do you feel it like I'm? I'm like a moral victory on this last one there.
0: Uh, no, not really. I'm more okay. kind of like God. Season four. Is just I always get tripped up on season four, and season four, of the shield is one too, where I'm just like, uh, that season really kind of slipped from memory. The only stuff I really held on to from it, I feel like, is the Anthony Anderson stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah he's so yeah. fucking awesome yeah. in that season man what is it oh, yeah that's right that is him
1: which season yeah. is um the one with uh forrest whitaker is that that's five, five? Yeah, yeah that's that one the is best is season.
0: insane yeah that season's so fucking good dude
1: you know what i ought to just do mm. i think from i'm gonna do this probably yeah. next time and that's just yeah. every single name that episode is gonna be from season four <laughs> of a show, <laughs> of
0: a show fuck yeah you. just to
1: see what happens to you man
0: <laughs> oh no i want to do it uh, I could do season four of TNG really easy.
1: Okay, but I'm not going to pick that.
0: I can do season four of The X-Files, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not season gonna four, gonna pick four of The X-Files either. is really good. Yeah, I know you're not. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> Fucker. <doing that>. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, you pick season four of The Office? I haven't even watched it. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, you will be destroyed <laughs> and distraught. Yes.
0: Yeah. Reduce season four of Seinfeld. I just finished watching that. Uh, good no, shit, it's going to be man. The Sopranos. <laughs> you have a hard time with that season I for some do. reason.
1: You really do not like that season.
0: I don't, man. That is yeah. such a boring ass season, man. You don't like it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Man, oh man. Ugh. Oh. No, I'm just getting into <laughs> season five of Seinfeld now, and it's it's also incredible. It's really yeah. hard to pick. Yeah. That would be that would be an interesting show to do. It would be. It'd just be so tricky. Comedies are. But uh so here's here's my thing about Seinfeld, right? Hmm because we probably won't even do it because it's just too hard to talk about. But this is the thing that's funny about Seinfeld to me. I'm going to describe to you the makeup of the cast of Seinfeld, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell me how you think this would shake out. So Seinfeld is a show that has four main characters. Mm -hmm. And among those four are people who primarily act and people who are primarily comedians, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now... Basically, so the way it shakes out is there's one character who is basically just like kind of coasting on charisma and kind of just like very watchable and has a lot of confidence and isn't really that funny. But you just you don't mind watching them. You Mm -hmm. know, they kind of like center the show and -hmm. then they're surrounded by three other performers Who are all incredibly funny, who have insanely good timing, Mm -hmm. who are just like able to execute so many different joke structures, you know, who come in with characters who are so defined with personalities that are just ready for like joke dispensing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah. So it's one actor and three comedians, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. It's the opposite. (laughs) It's one comedian and three actors. One comedian three
1: actors. (laughs) Because
0: none of them have comedy backgrounds. Oh my God, you're right. And they all just run circles around Seinfeld for that whole show, providing all of the humor. (laughs)
1: oh dude i never about that <laughs> well he's just kind
0: of like oh, he's kind of handsome and he fucks and he is like not miserable to watch you're just kind of like oh yeah this is yeah. a guy who's just at the center of it just to kind of be like
1: the grounding force exactly right, because but it would be everyone too else hard uh,
0: to watch a show about george you know yes. as hilarious as he is it's like as you need a character who's just be. more yeah kind of like mm-hmm. centered and like sort of blandly likable <laughs> And Mm -hmm. that's the comedian, not the, you know. That's, yeah, wow, I never considered that. That is very, very weird.
1: Yeah, they let the actors run amok around him.
0: Well, he just kind of doesn't really tell jokes. Yeah. I mean, he he does fine, but it's like he's just kind of inherently likable. He's not there to be the funny guy.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. It's
0: so strange. (laughs) My mind is a
1: little bit blown right now. Right? I never really thought about that. So odd. Mm-hmm. Very odd. What a show. Oh, what man. a strange show. Incredible yeah. show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, I so appreciate you coming on this journey with me, man. Of course, man. Letting me know about uh, the fine ins and outs of uh, Daredevil. You know, that's one oh, yes. I haven't seen in a minute. So I'm glad to know it holds up <laughs> in your estimation. <laughs> You're over here preaching the <laughs> virtues of Daredevil. It's fucking great. But anyway.
1: I think you should watch it tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I mm-hmm. just will, bro. <laughs> Please do. You can't stop me. Fuck I it. Won't.
1: I won't <laughs> do it. I will
0: encourage that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah. thank you, everyone out there who's still listening. We so appreciate that too. We hope you will go to our Instagram, Goat Season Pod. And uh, check out some of our updates and our awesome goat pictures to come along with the episodes. You can also email us at goatseasonpod at gmail.com with any questions you might have. I also want to thank Janice O'Leary for our artwork, Josh Sullivan for our intro music, and Battlequake for our outro. And we will see you soon. (laughs) Peace. Peace. wasn't going to say next week that's just a blatant lie (laughs) all right
2: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh